Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to The Week That Was. My name is Saeed Khan, and also welcome to a brand new year. 2023 is upon us, so Happy New Year, or as Eddie Murphy said in Trading Places, Merry New Year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just happened to be on the other day and, of course, had to watch it no matter what point I watched it from. Um, well, it's like Goodfellas. Whatever like comes good on, you just got to start watching the rest. You, you, you got to you got to start watching it, especially when uh, Joe Pesci's talking about Ping and um, and that whole scene in the uh, in in the uh, in the restaurant. Okay, well, 2023 has already begun with a rather momentous news cycle. We're barely six days into the year, and of course, today is the second anniversary of the insurrection where Capitol Hill was stormed, uh, seemingly at the behest of former President Donald Trump. And it seems as though you don't have to have people storming the Capitol from outside when there is enough turmoil within. Uh, As of the airing of this show, we are now 11 votes in for the effort to elect a Speaker of the House. So as Spinal Tap would say, this house goes to an 11. And probably within another half hour, as we are on the air here, there will be no doubt an attempt for a 12th vote. Kevin McCarthy, it seems, has been running for this particular position ever since he became the minority leader in the House. Uh, And now there is talk about a series of Faustian bargains that he's made with a group of 20 rather steadfast GOPers who are holding fast. If you have a bingo card, I assure you it should be an invisible ink because you cannot tell who's on the side of Kevin McCarthy and who is not. In fact, Marjorie Taylor Greene herself is now coming out shilling for McCarthy and is getting into a verbal catfight with none other than Colorado congressperson elect. By the way, all of them are representatives elect because they haven't been sworn in yet because there's no speaker. Lauren Boebert who, of course, is going to the mat for anybody but McCarthy. What the hell is going on? I have a quick video. I have a quick video before we... McCarthy can't get over the hills because a group of about 20 super right-wing holdouts are refusing to go along with the majority. Uh, Circus jerk Matt Gates of Florida is one of them. He's particularly adamant he'll not vote for Kevin McCarthy. This morning, he he went so far as to nominate um, his old pal Mara Lardo for speaker. And so I nominate President Trump... Because we must make our country great again, and he can start by making the House of Representatives great again. <laughs> what a douchebag that guy is. Can I, can, before we go on, though, can I ask a question, um, Saeed? Yeah. Because I have not been, I haven't checked the news yet this morning on this okay. one. Why do they keep having votes if after every giveaway, the total turns out to be the same? I mean, what is the point of having yet another humiliating you lose vote when, you know, he's, I mean, are these, what's he offering this for? I mean, I, isn't there usually a quid pro quo? I, I, I think what he's trying, I think he's just trying to wear people down. He's like, okay, I'm in it. You want to have another vote? Let's have another vote. Let's just keep going. And he goes, but I'm not going away. Uh, things aren't changing. You know, who knows? They, the last, what, what was it? 133 votes. Uh, the last time they, they went through this process, I think he's just trying to wear people down and embarrass, you know, really, I mean, McCarthy doesn't care if he embarrasses the Republican party or the United States for that matter, but 
he's he wants that job so bad. It's funny, Jimmy Kimmel in part of that dialogue there, he talks about uh he goes, How is uh McCarthy moving into the speaker's uh office already? He says it's like showing up uh with a two toothbrush for a tinder date (laughs) i I don't think i mean he doesn't seem to have an embarrassment gene and certainly people like matt gates who can stand up and make an ass of himself with a statement like that it's just it's so cringeworthy and yet you know let's do it again let's do it again does he really think these people are going to run out of steam i don't think they are well he he gave up so much to get nothing uh, if he uh, if he do get the votes, is he gonna change his name to Charlie? And he's gonna be sitting on people's laps. He's gonna basically he's he he, he he's gonna have no power, no control. And, and these twenty people or these uh, I don't even know what they are because it's it's unbelievable that they have hijacked uh, the Republican Party. There's no question. So, well, so for any, so for anybody, for anybody uh, under the age of sixty, that was a reference to Ed, Edgar Bergen and his <laughs> uh, his ventriloquist uh, dummy Charlie McCarthy. Uh, Edgar, Edgar Bergen, of course, being a, a very renowned ventriloquist and also the father of another vague reference for anyone under sixty, Candace Bergen. So, anyway, <laughs> Tiffany, go ahead. I love Murphy Brown, uh, but <laughs> to Nancy's question about, uh, you know, the tech, why they're continuing to vote like this. I really think it's a, a tactic on McCarthy's part. Part, If you watch the votes on uh, either last night or 8 p.m. the night before, where they made the motion to, the, to adjourn, the Democrats want to stay in. They want this circus to continue to play out on the national stage because it just shows what a complete and total mess the Republican Party is nationally. And, and even it echoes all the way down here to the state level in Michigan. So the longer, you know, this goes on for the Dems, that's that's the better. But if McCarthy moves away from a vote, that pressure is sort of gone and everything is happening behind closed doors. And at some point, some GOP members are going to say, no, we don't want to, we're going to stay on the floor and we're going to keep here until we get this done. Because there's a realistic person, like, not only are the Congress people not sworn in, we don't have a sitting Congress. None of their staff members are getting paid right now. So at some point, all of this runs out of steam. Well, also some of these. Steve, uh, Matt Gates is going to start making his hookers like take IOUs, but go ahead. <laughs> some of these Congress people elect, uh, their kids have to go to school next week and uh, they can't just be sitting around. Uh, playing with their uh, devices on the uh, in 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 the uh, uh, in the seats uh, behind them. Uh, just incidentally, it was Albert Einstein who famously said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. <laughs> but I think, in in all seriousness, some of the uh, the concessions that it seems that McCarthy is making uh, to the uh, the, the hard nosed uh, twenty include creating a new committee that will then look into uh, federal agencies, including the FBI, to see if uh, Congress people and others were unfairly surveilled, which of course then uh, threatens uh, the uh, independence of such agencies. Uh, there's also talk about uh, immunizing any and all Congress people who might have had something to do with uh, January the 6th in enabling uh, the insurrection in the first place. And then, of course, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop 
committee, uh, which I think uh, the title is self-evident as far as what they're going to be doing. So it seems as though this goes well beyond just um, pimping for a particular committee chairmanship uh, that uh, that uh, uh, McCarthy seems perfectly willing to uh, to go ahead and grant. The only uh, question, it seems, is that since McCarthy has a real trouble keeping his promises, it seems that even the uh, the Steadfast 20 are uh, suspicious about whether he will honor these pledges that he's making. I, I think Jim Jordan, you see him foaming at the mouth. He can't wait to get going on Hunter Biden and the FBI and all that. It's going to be such a mess. I mean, some of that, I you know, it'd probably be some interesting hearings. I mean, if they want to, you know, talk about the FBI. I mean, you know, if you talk to people at the FBI, which which I have, I mean, they'll admit there were some, you know, they've they've made some missteps in in, in recent times, in recent years, and uh, so it might be interesting. But the problem is, Jim Jordan. I mean, can you imagine if Jim Jordan had been on the January sixth committee? It would have been a mess. It would have been just bullshit arguments and stupidity uh so thankfully they kept him off that committee but he's going to be running some of the show now so. well he's going to be chairing the judiciary committee yeah, which is uh, problematic uh, uh enough uh that's to uh, terrifying. have that happen that's yeah. absolutely terrifying and what I, th- I think you know term limits has been on the table i think is one of the things that the freedom caucus has been talking about along with a number of other scary ideas like being able to remove the speaker of the house with a single nomination um, from a member of congress call for a vote to remove call for a vote right. for a, yeah. you know and so any of these things that he's going to give concessions on i mean the realistic result of this is that it's going to tie his hands behind his back when it comes to getting anything done um, on, the Repo- on the Republican agenda. Because if they're going to be voting on appropriation bills over any certain amount, like $10 million, I think I heard one congressperson say they wanted to vote on yesterday, or any sort of things that were done by consensus before, if the Congress is going to be spending time on those sort of what would be routine um, not so controversial issues instead of the real problems that our country is facing, his agenda is not going to get through. And so I, I think that that's the ir- irony of what, you know, this Freedom Caucus isn't realizing right now. Their ability to make change is going to be hindered by anything that they're asking for. Mm-hmm. Well, what about what about the Democrats in this? I mean, they have been incredibly consistent. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the presumptive uh, minority leader, has come through with exactly 212 votes every single time in the 11 votes. Uh, I think the last time the left had that level of discipline was when they heard that they were banning lighters from Woodstock. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, it, it seems as though they're they're on on message. Whatever kinds of fissures uh, were there between moderate uh, Democrats and progressives, uh, everybody is uh, in line. Do you think that there might be a deal that could be made where, I mean, there's talk about this. Ro Khanna from uh, California, in fact, said he would be amenable to voting for a uh, moderate uh, Republican, uh, I suppose, when shows up, uh, when one shows up right after the unicorn does. Um, so um, what, what do you think is the strategy going on in the Democratic caucus now? Well, you're saying that they're united, but I'm just waiting to see what AOC and them do, because I think they uh, ran to uh, throw some uh, gasoline on the fire because they can they can hold up the Democrat. They've been holding up the Democratic agenda when, when when the Democrats had control of the House. 
they made a lot of noise. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to the Democrats being in control right now of their own party, it shows that we've gone through a peaceful transition of power from Nancy Pelosi, who's, you know, led the caucus for a very long time and and, and has done a really a good job of getting things done from a Democratic agenda perspective. Um, I, I don't think the Democrats have any incentive right now to make any sort of deal whatsoever until the Republicans start to get closer. And until then, the Democratic caucus should just sit back and watch the circus that's going down. Make um, another bowl of popcorn. And as far as a moderate Republican, I, yeah, where are they? You know, Madam I don't know right now to, yeah, okay. to find that person. T- Tiffany, how much of that do you think is uh, due to the confidence that they have that, they're, uh, that the Democrats run the, uh, the Senate right now? So they know that there's a stopper there. Yeah, I think there's some, but I think, you know, and I would hope, and I don't know this to be true, but, you know, coming from a leader, you know, minority perspective, that the Democrats are using this time to build their agenda out. Because if McCarthy ultimately ends up putting in first and second term Congress people into leadership positions on important committees, such as judiciary or the, the rules and means or things like that, the Democrats, the Democratic congressional members who have experience and actually know how to whip up votes and get things done in Congress have an advantage if they've got a plan in place. And so my hope is, is that they're using this time to strategize what's going to happen after this circus ends. I, I think the, Demo- the Democrats have made it clear they want nothing to do with McCarthy and they're, they're going to let him just you know flap in the wind. They, he, he made remarks uh, last year saying that when he got the gavel from Nancy Pelosi, he was going to hit her with it. Uh, making stupid little remarks like that. He's, he's just obviously he's untrustworthy. Yeah. After making all these statements after January 6th, which is our anniversary today, uh, he, he then went down to visit Trump to, you know, kiss his ass. Uh, he he has he, I think he has very little respect. I think he, people are voting for him because he seems like the most obvious person who obviously wants it more than anyone. Uh, so people want to uh, you know accommodate him, but he's going to be if if he happens to get it. Really, anyone who gets it is you know it's a tough tough job, and the Republicans have seen you know Paul Ryan, uh, you know Boehner have realized it it's it's unmanageable with like the, the Tea Party and, and this and that, and now you have these these right-wing, you know, fanatics. Uh, it's, it's not going to be an easy job, and I can see why a lot of people, including Jim Jordan, don't want it. Jim Jordan just wants to be a shit kicker. Did you, know? did you, hear, the, did you hear what happened yesterday when uh, somebody rose to nominate that guy Donald's? What's, yeah. And, and he said, I, I rise to nominate a man who will be the first black speaker of the House. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the Democrats all started chanting, Hakeem, Hakeem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. It's like, just give it to him. Well, well I mean, point, James is getting some attention on the Republican side uh, after his speech yesterday, too. Oh, he's, what did he do well, yesterday? Well, after oh. the Republicans want a first black speaker, uh, eight of them, uh, six of them, or seven of them can come over and vote for Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries, yeah. Yeah, if they, if they, re- if they truly want an African-American. That's, <laughs> that's, it, it's all bullshit, and, and this is what we're dealing with. Let them kill each other. That's what they're doing. Uh, it's Why chaos. It's <laughs> chaos. Just let them. They're destroying the Republican Party. You know, as a political junkie and somebody who always has music on in the background over the last two days, I've actually 
rather enjoyed the white noise of these constant roll call votes, and learning <laughs> about, you know, really every member of Congress's last name and how many, you know, Joneses that we have in different <laughs> states around the country. <laughs> well, uh, John Stewart said that C-SPAN is having its best season. Uh, so, <laughs> true. True to that. Yeah. But what about what about what's going on with with MAGA? I mean, here you have some people who are pretty dyed in the wool, but Lauren Boebert, upon hearing that Donald Trump was uh, beseeching people to vote for Kevin McCarthy, uh, invoked uh, meatloaf by saying, I would do anything for Trump, but I won't do that. Um, I mean, is this is this like the end of Schoolhouse Rock? Is this the end of Trump? I think it is. I, I think it's just we just don't know. I mean, he hasn't thrown in the towel yet, but I mean, I, I, I don't believe. I, I don't believe so, Nancy. You don't that think guy, so? That guy's like a. a it, it could be. It's like a fly. It's a, <laughs> it's a hundred below outside, and for whatever reason, there's a fly in your house. You know, <laughs> he has survived. He has survived. You know, this guy is not going away. Now, do we have the power that he had uh, four years ago? No. Yeah. But he still, but he still can wreak havoc. He still can he's, wreak havoc. I would agree I, with that. But I, I, I guess my my what I was trying to say is he's no longer the supreme leader that everybody bends the knee to. I mean that we're just we're seeing that happen now. But he, is he more dangerous as a, a guerrilla fighter? That's a you good know, question. He's, uh, yeah, he could he could potentially be extremely dangerous. He's like a wounded animal now. He's you know? like a COVID virus. You just keep he's getting mutating. Very, <laughs> mutating in different forms. Every time you try to kill him, it comes back as super Trump. Wait a minute, we have a vaccine for that, and now another super Trump. He will not give up. And in the end, look, if he gets indicted, which you know it's very likely he will somewhere, whether it's in Georgia, New York, D.C., he'll get indicted. He he won't go to trial probably till next year. He'll use it as a campaign thing to say they're coming after me. Give me money. Help me out. Uh, and then when him and DeSantis go at it, it's going to be a Texas death match. And then in the end, he's going to say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to run as an independent. The Patriot and, Party. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's going to be the end of the Republican election. Well, he's going he's going to be the George Wallace. The strong Thurman, uh, uh, you know, because they it, it ran as independents and Ross George Wallace. Yeah, they made a difference in these elections. Ralph so Perot. he's not going away. He's there. He's not but, going away. But he won't be the John Anderson. Um, the <laughs> um, I, I, Here's my prediction. If he does go to trial in 2024, what would be probably very smart for him to do is obviously the trial will be televised. He should have his defense attorneys run campaign ads as exhibits because that way he gets free <laughs> ad time. So that's because I don't know if he's going to be able to uh, raise enough money uh, to be able to do that. So then there, I think there's going to be objections to relevance, but I'm sure he'll probably find a way. Well, there's something happening, of course, here locally in Michigan with the announcement by Senator, senior Senator Debbie Stabenow, that she will not seek a fifth uh, term as senator. She has been, of course, in uh, the U.S. Senate since 2001, uh, served uh, the great state of Michigan. But now she has said that she wants to spend more time with her family, including her 96-year-old uh, mother and her uh, children and grandchildren. This uh, opens up a really tantalizing 
series of possibilities as to whom might run for the open seat. Any predictions amongst you? I think yes, Alyssa, uh, I think you know Alyssa Slotkin seems to be uh, a friend of Washington who's sort of involved in politics. That was I, I said, who do you think? And she says, I she says I like Alyssa Slotkin. Uh, I think you know maybe Benson, Jocelyn Benson. I think she's a fairly ambitious person. Um, and I think you know you can't rule out John James, who was just the chameleon of the year, and then the empty suit. Yeah, the empty yeah. suit, and then you know you have Kevin Rinky who had ran a horrible campaign, had a lot of money, ran a horrible governor's campaign, and the guy is just not bright. Uh, but, so, I, I mean, how can you uh, how how come you haven't mentioned Tudor Dixon yet? Because I think Tudor Dixon is uh, the obvious. Don't really. uh, she's like oy, oy. she's good looking. <laughs> she's she's got at least you know the Betsy DeVos uh, backed her once. They might back her again. Um, I I don't see. I she don't didn't see do well in in the gubernatorial. Well, well Stabenow should step down right now and get a Democrat to uh, leg up. I say, you know, why why would you announce? And wait two years, and 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 uh, say she's lame duck now. It was, well, uh, I, it, I, it, sorry, yeah, she wants to uh, uh, wait two years to. Her mother's ninety eight years old now, right? Yeah, I guess she want to wait till she's a ninety six. But I'm just saying, the bottom line is let uh, Whitmer appoint someone. They need to pick. They need to pick a candidate. I say pick the strongest candidate. Pick them. Let step down. Appoint them to her seat, and they have a leg up on whoever the Republicans throw at them. I, I, you know, but if we don't do it, we be on the verge of losing because two years is a long time. Yeah. Look what Although happened I at the Supreme Court. This yeah. is a pretty deep bench. Um, at least on the Democratic side, yeah. I think you know Mallory. Yeah. You, you didn't mention Mallory McMorrow. Well, what about Garland Gilchrist? Wants he, he Garland he Gilchrist? His name's out there. Yeah. The only problem is Garland Gilchrist doesn't have. I mean, he's been really in the background in the administration. I think you know it'd be. It, I don't know. It's possible. But but if, but if, but if Whitman want to up his uh, his profile. That that you push Stabenow and, and and make her retire, and you appoint him. Yeah. There was all kind of rumors in the last six months about uh, Stabenow quitting and the scenario around who's running for governor and who's running for mayor of Detroit, et cetera. So it's it's wide open. Who has the most money and who gets out there first is going to have a leg up on all yeah. these wannabes. Gar- I, I'd say Garland Gilchrist is a very a very smart guy. I, I politically savvy. I mean, he's learning. He's learning. He was really quite a, a neophyte coming in. But, I, you know, he, he, he might be a good candidate. I, I've never gotten the sense of his fighting. He couldn't, he couldn't his fight, beat um, Janice Winfrey for um, city clerk. Yeah. Best and, thing ever happened to him. Yeah, yeah, I know. It did. Exactly. It was a dead, it was a dead end job. That it was, was a dead end job. You go nowhere with that. So that's the best thing that happened to him. Uh, Whitman made a smart pick. Yeah, she did. It was a yeah, smart pick. Your point about him, yeah. your point about him or her resigning right now. I mean, the Democrats have a leg up for this seat, no matter what. The Republican Party doesn't even have a figure in Michigan right now. Right, if they're in chaos, and so they're in chaos nationally. They're in chaos in the state. You know, if if the 
senator, the Senate race in the primary looks anything like the Republican primary for governor look like, I mean, that's going to benefit whoever the ultimate Democratic candidate is. And, and the thing is, we've got, again, a, a sort of peaceful transition. We got, five, we got five or six people that can uh, replace Stabenow. We, we that's are named them. Greg Mathis out here wants to run. I'm yeah. just telling you all these people. How about Jeffrey Figer? And I would hope that Senator Stabenow and, you know, the, the wonderful sort of support network that she's built around the state of grassroots energy is going to come behind whoever the ultimate Democratic nominee is. And those are so, those are probably the conversations that are happening right now, because ultimately with some of these people, if, you know, Garland runs or Alyssa Slotkin runs or, you know, Jocelyn, there's a waterfall effect. And so we've got to think not only about their possibility of winning in that Senate seat, but what happens, you know, for what may be one of the most competitive congressional districts in the country. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, so well, I'm going to throw out some names here and uh, why don't you see what do you think about their prospects? Uh, first on the Republican side, Pete Meyer. Pete Meyer oh, would be a Pete, good, that would be a be a good choice candidate. for them. That, that would, would be, be strong, strong. In a okay. in a purple in a purple Michigan that has yeah. uh, firmly renounced MAGA, that would be probably one of the smartest choices. And people make. love Myers, the sort. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but that right wing uh, faction don't love Myers. I know yeah. that's that's yeah. that's the good part. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, another name, uh, Andy Levin. Uh, he he gave a seat away. Yeah. He's yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule. I mean, the Levin name is still has has some uh, cachet. Yeah. He he tarnished screwed up. He's you know yeah. he screwed it up, and and you know in, in in a really a twist, the Jewish community. A lot of people in the Jewish community turned on him because of uh, they didn't like his uh, you know statements about Israel, and uh, you know I don't know. Well, which brings me to the next name, Rashida Tlaib. Man. Oh, man. She's got to go. Okay. I don't think she's got to go, but I think she's, I, there's no fucking way. I'm <laughs> disappointed in Rashida Tlaib. I mean, I, I saw a very progressive person. I, I feel like she has, and this really bothers me. I feel like I thought it'd be great. We have a, a, a Palestinian, you know, Palestinian voice in, in D.C. I feel like she's done nothing to help her people. She's done more to help her brand by beating on her chest and saying I'm uncompromising and stuff like that. You can't get anywhere in the Middle East without some form of compromise. She is all about building her brand and has done nothing for the Palestinian people. Well, and, well she did nothing for the 13th district. That's why she left it. Yeah. And she's a fraud, been a fraud as a state rep. So no, I don't see her uh, as a senator. Okay, one more name uh, dealing with brand names. Uh, Abdul El Sayed. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good, but he just hasn't gotten the traction to really. I mean, what, did he come in second place in for the in the primaries in the, in the primary? uh, uh, with Whitmer? Yeah, but it yeah. was a, it was a it was a sham to uh, secretariat in the 73 Belmont margin. So (laughs) he didn't come close. Yeah, for some reason, he's had a hard time building a real brand here. I I, I love the the equine reference. Yeah, for party politics, you know, he's he's worked outside the party structure. And this is not um, a a race that's going to be, I I don't know if it's going to be won as sort of a 
outsider candidate in the Democratic structure. So that's an interesting uh, point, Tiffany. I mean, do you think then that the going rogue uh, uh, culture has sort of now dissipated and people are looking for the quote unquote grownups and uh, the establishment again? You know, I I think that some people are, but, you know, certainly as evidenced by things that are happening in our state this week, um, we know that the going rogue culture is alive and well. um, And many, you know, no matter what your politics are, if you're on the right or the left. But I think that when it comes to sort of leadership and an opportunity like this, you know, for a U.S. Senate seat, particularly in a state where, you know, we've had Democratic leadership at the, at the federal level, I think, for over 40 years at this point. And, and that's what been something that's been unique about Michigan is what we've traditionally had sort of a split state legislature, but we've always had Democratic, you know, national <laughs> leadership. And so I, I think that there's going to be a lot of attention paid to continuing that, you know, that legacy that we've held in the Senate. You know, I think one name we've forgotten, Charlie LaDuff. <laughs> don't rule it out look he could run and, and have it filmed the whole time and it'd be a netflix special even if he loses that'd be a great it'd be a charlie's great. charlie's contortions to endear himself to right-wing media like fox have been a little painful to watch but you never know so i i think charlie langton has a better chance but all right that's just that's uh, that's just Latter-y. Latter-y. Yeah. so speaking about the west side of the state which is of course the home of uh, pete meyer we've got a bit of a shakeup in ottawa county adjacent to of course kent county in grand rapids ottawa county being of course the home of allendale michigan the home of grand valley state university as well as grand haven uh it seems as though they are scrubbing their diversity office and yet at the same time to express that they do have some belief in uh diversity they are appointing as county administrator john gibbs he who uh actually primaried pete meyer in the congressional seat out there which of course cost uh the republicans a, a seat that had been fairly strongly and stably held by the Republicans for at least the last 40 years, now is a Democratic seat, much to the chagrin of, you guessed it, Kevin McCarthy. Um, and, and also uh, appointing as health director, Nathaniel Kelly. Uh, Nancy, I believe you might have a slight opinion about this. <laughs> it's funny, I was, I was, uh, somebody, I wrote about this on my own personal blog uh, yesterday and somebody uh, who used to live in Ottawa County said, Ottawa County is the Indiana of Michigan and Jamestown Township, which was the birthplace of a group called Ottawa Impact, which is the super mega, ultra mega group that kind of pulled off this coup on the county commission, which led to all of these changes, is the Indiana of of Ottawa County. So that that tells you something right there. I mean, that's what I want to point out. I want to make sure that we understand this is, Jamestown Township is in Ottawa County, and this is the township that defunded its own library um, in a uh, uh, by failing to pass a tax millage to keep it operating. It's going to close. I believe they have enough money to get through 2024, and then that's the end, so they, they won't have a public library anymore. Um, you know, this is what happens when, you know, the the – this is ultra mega at work. I mean, you forgot the funniest part of all of this, which is in addition to this meeting where they fired the county administrator, hired a new, hired John Gibbs, fired the, or dissolved the DEI office and um, fired the health administrator. 
they also changed the county's motto from you belong here to where freedom rings or let freedom ring or something like that. Something with freedom. And I think it's where freedom rings. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. This guy, Nathaniel Kelly um, was, uh, I saw some video of him taken at, he's got a, a, a master's degree from an online university that is a for-profit online university. He calls himself a industrial hygienist. And if you can tell me what that job title involves, I'll give you a, I'll give you a dollar. Um, That means it's cleaning things up. (laughs) But he was giving a speech at something called the, the America's this is, I can't make this shit up. America's (laughs) frontline industrial hygienists. (laughs) A conference where he said that if he were in charge of health in Ottawa County and and if he had been in charge of uh, health in Ottawa County when the pandemic came along, he would send every household a kit. And in the kit, there would be vitamin D, zinc, a couple other vitamin C, a couple other bullshit supplements, um, ivermectin, and and a neti pot. And you, do you know what a neti pot? Does everybody know I, what a neti pot is? I'm a fan of the neti pot. Oh my god! <laughs> of course you would be. It's like you you got to go to Lengel's apartment and see like to the the area to the left of the sink. You would think he was on like chemotherapy. There are so many, so many vitamin like, C. You mentioned vitamin C, vitamin D. I wish I was in Ottawa County. Where there is so much. Alan, there Alan, so many Alan, bullshit I, woo supplements in Lengel's. I got I, I to ask this question, Alan. Were sure. you a big fan of Ktel and Ronco and buying things <laughs> off the TV at three o'clock in the morning as uh, well? You know, I, I I learned my lesson from those. Well, things. anyway, the neti pot <laughs> is kind of like it's a it's a pot about the size of when you order tea in a restaurant and they bring you like you know a, a little thing that will give you about two cups of tea you brew you brew it in the metal thing and then you pour it into your teacup um you're supposed to fill it with warm salt water maybe the person who actually saline uses, solution or yes yeah, so warm too. salt water and and literally pour it into your nose and and this is supposed to be nasal lavage well, it, it for seems... those of us who have well, sinus <laughs> issues, it's a good thing. Okay, okay Alan, okay. Alan, yeah. I'll tell you what. We're going to have to do our equivalent of the Tide Pod Challenge. We're going to have to use water from the Dead Sea in there. <laughs> can, 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 can Ottawa County become part of Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe can we, we could just we could saw it we could saw around it and just push it out to into Lake Michigan, but the um, Nancy, yeah. By the way, pot. next time you come over, I'm hiding all my supplements. All so. right, all right, all right. I can't believe you have time to even like eat with choking down all that crap every day. Mm. Maybe you have a schedule for it. But anyway, the neti pot, <laughs> the neti pot is like to me is like one of is somebody who swims and hates the feeling of getting water in my nose, I can't imagine anything worse than taking a warm teapot of it and like pouring it in there every morning. But this is this is how he would have dealt with COVID. So I think it's fair to say that Ottawa County and well, the he's sounding better all the time now. Have gone insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think in fairness, what they're showing is that they're they're bucking this stereotype that people have that the real crazies in Michigan are in the upper peninsula. <laughs> and so the fact that this is happening on the West side of the state shows that we are a little bit more, what was the word? Diverse. Diverse. Um, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, the, the uh, motto used to be you belong here. Yeah. And they just, and, uh, and, and actually somebody said that 
that motto in in the proposal during this meeting to change it, they said something that model is a reflection of the Marxist attitudes that leads to, you know, that led to the diversity, equity and inclusion office. And, you know, so let freedom ring. I think I I saw on uh, a a report out of Grand Rapids TV that the attorney general's office is investigating Ottawa County because a lot of the decisions that they made at these meetings were never on the agenda. Right. I mean, they, they, they did some, they pulled some sort of parlamentary shenanigans to, so they violated the open meetings. Right. Because this led to this, this was completely, it was, it was out of the clear blue sky at their first meeting of the year, just like the hammer came down. I think also just for anybody who's concerned and is waiting on their free neti pot, um, I believe Nathaniel Kelly's appointment has to be approved at the state level. And given his lack of credentials, even as an industrial hygienist, um, he probably will. My guess is it will be blocked there. And in fact, I think I also read somewhere I was kind of blasting through the news at kind of a high rate today that that they can't fire the health director, the the last health director without um some kind of just cause or malfeasance and they had none. So, well, I and of think course this, antici- this whole group was born during the pandemic. Go ahead. In anticipation of uh, the prospect of him losing the, uh, the confirmation, I think he has sent a water pick to every state legislator. <laughs> uh, so try that in your nose, man. <laughs> as long as it's just a water pick and not another kind of pick. <laughs> Well, there there have been, speaking of Lansing, uh, a series of new laws that have gone into effect. Uh, one is a 21 cent increase in the state fuel tax, which is being felt immediately. Uh, but there's also sweeping tax cuts. Uh, there are issues dealing with uh, expanding educational opportunities and requirements, as well as the Detroit public transportation system and updated school safety procedures. Um, it seems as though the outgoing uh, majority uh, GOP legislature did put in some uh, laws that are going to be affecting us. Uh, do you see these being having a net benefit for anybody? Well, I think the $18 million for the toy train over a certain amount of time, that's a waste of money. That was totally waste of money. That's a, that's a waste of money. They could have done it with, it gave that money <laughs> to some other project. Yeah, that I, I have to agree with Adolf on that one. That was ridiculous. I mean, the Q line, it's cute, but it's it was there were too many compromises made along the way. That should have been bus rapid transit, and it it should it should go faster. I mean, I feel like I could walk faster than the Q line. Right, right. Yeah, somebody who lives and yeah. works directly on the Q line and should be able to take it um, to where I'm getting, it would take me ten times as long to take the Q uh, line. Yeah, I so it's, I, I have to say it's made to teach children how to ride subways and bigger cities. <laughs> I, I, take an, I, I would take the queue line often to go downtown, which is about two and a half miles from where I live. And it was usually 15, 20 minutes. So I thought the idea that they were talking about initially, like at least out to eight mile or Pontiac, you'd have to pack a lunch and a dinner before you you know got out the Pontiac. Uh, it, you know, it should have been built in the middle of Woodward, not on the sides. First of right. all, it shouldn't go with traffic. It stops at traffic lights. There's a car parked on the track. Uh, it's ridiculous. You know, is, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it reminds us of the trolley they had on Washington Boulevard yeah. in the yeah. 80s. It's, uh, yeah, 
They settled for half a loaf when they should have gone. Right. Go I'm sorry. Well, it's not even a half a loaf. It's about three pieces. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are three laws that, you know, really caught my attention um, because I think they do have the possibility of making a big impact. One was the personal finance class um, that's going to go into high school curriculum, I think, for eighth graders. Um, I, I think that that's something that's an amazing addition to our curriculum and, and something that's great that the legislature has done. It's something that's been lacking in public education for a long time. Um, you know, when I look back and I was in eighth grade and I tell people this in other parts of the country that I had boater safety and hunter safety as retired as required courses in eighth grade. Are you kidding I, I was, me? I'm, I'm thankful for that. Like I am. Where really you go to school? Where you go to school at? I went to school in K-Pack in a small town, you know, but they, they were required classes. You, you, know, you had, had that to... in K-Pack? We didn't even have that in Lapeer. And we were dead. <laughs> there's hunters and there's water in this state. So I think that these are important things for kids to know about. But finance is you know, also one of those things. So that's one of them. Um, the Crime Victim Compensation Fund, I think, is another one that they've expanded it to include uh, emotional and psychological injury for people. Um, we do have a Crime Victims Compensation Fund, which really helps um, alleviate some of the pain that crime victims feel in our state where they don't maybe have civil causes of action to help them make up for those injustices that they've they've suffered. Um, it's been very limited, however, to a very a physical injury in which you could recover, you know, some sort of compensation for. And, and now this this law will help it go a little bit broader. But then the one that's really sort of like sticking in my craw right now that bothers me is the, the so-called changes to consumer protection here in Michigan and, and increasing consumer protection when it comes to online sales. And, you know, sure, any effort in that area is a great one, but Michigan's consumer protection law that is still on the books has been basically eviscerated for the last 20 years. And so when we talk about consumer protection in Michigan and we don't talk about restoring our actual Consumer Protection Act, I really just find it disingenuous. And I think that legislators need to really think about that. Hmm. We have That's Michigan. Michigan has really poor consumer protection. I just wrote uh, my legislator, which I, as far as I can tell, has not responded. I asked them to pass a law that every company that has like renewing your your contract with a service or whatever every year, that they have to send you an email or something notifying you of that. Michigan does not have a law. California does. All these others uh, you know, so a lot of us sign up for something not realizing, you know, suddenly it's like, whoa, I've just got to build seventy dollars for something I haven't used right at all. So, that is are you still a, are you still a getting one. a bill? Are you still getting a bill, Alan, for OnStar? Oh, <laughs> 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 <All> I'm <laughs> because because I I could I could uh, I could go ahead and understand. Man, <laughs> Tiffany, you're from K-Pack. You know how people from Lapeer, how we used to troll you. <laughs> I, I, used, quite I, used to call, I used to call you a palindrome. Yeah, we were. You know, cheerleaders had a cheer where we were a palindrome, too. And, and in fact, it is. Were you a cheerleader? <laughs> I was not. Um, oh, okay. I was not. Well, pretty was, blonde. So. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you, you got to figure that. So No, no. I, uh, you know, oh. my, my basketball coach told me one thing, that I should just go run track because I was fast and all I had to do was turn left. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually find it presumptuous that you replied. I, Nancy could have been asking me the same question, but um, <laughs> all right. Um, so we got but we got the cue. Just one more point on the consumer protection yeah. stuff, and I will say, you know, Alan, it, it's not that we don't have laws; it's that they're court 
we have a really good Consumer Protection Act in Michigan, but over yeah. 20 years ago, our Supreme Court issued a decision that really made it unenforceable in any practical circumstance. Okay. The legislature could go back and fix it. You know, there are some challenges that could come through the courts to fix it, but that hasn't happened yet. And it's very similar to some other things that we suffer in the state when it comes to protections for our people. Um, you know, we're the only state in the country where if you are in, injured by a prescription drug, if it kills you, if it you know, causes you a heart attack, if it does anything, we're the only state in the country where you don't have a private right of action to sue the drug maker for that drug. Wasn't that a giveaway to Pfizer and then Pfizer turned around and abandoned the state anyway? It was. It yeah, was. It I certainly thought. was. And, and, you know, and it's a bigger it's a much bigger conversation that I think is happening in the legislature right now when it comes to, you know, the fairness to Michigan residents versus other states residents. And, you know, what caps look like, you know, in Michigan, which would, you know, even if we even if we do away with preemption, Michigan yeah. residents under the current rules are still going to get far less than they would in a private civil justice suit with these drug makers who know that they injure people than they would if they lived, you know, a hundred miles down the road on the Ohio border or, you know, in Indiana. So there's a lot of work to be done. (laughs) Where, by the way, the gas is cheaper and the roads are still better. But we had a, we had an incident in Wayne County where a road official pleads guilty to embezzlement of $1.7 million in, uh, in road division funds. This is Kevin Gunn. He's also been charged with conspiracy to defraud with one John Gibson. Um, Is this just, as uh, Bruce Hornsby would say, just the way it is. Yep. I just have to say, and I, I haven't read deeply into this story, but it did say something about how he was stealing equipment from the roads department and then selling it. There was a case in Indiana where I lived when I lived there where a guy who lived out in the country, he had some kind of farm at, was literally driving bulldozers off of the county um, you know, public works lot down these country roads to his own house, keeping them there and then eventually selling them, you know, online. And I, which I just find, how do you lose a fucking bulldozer for Christ's sake? You know, but it, it's like, apparently it happens now. You know, I, it's like, if this, if it, this guy was stealing weed eaters or, you know, leaf blowers or something like that, it would be easier to understand. But I mean, good Lord. It's Indiana, Nancy. I know it's Indiana, but this was happening. But but this guy in Bloomfield, it was happening here. So I want to know what he was stealing. Well, the way I understand it is it was a free press investigation that sort of started this. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Those of you in the media probably know more than I do. But it was more than that. It was sort of taking the funds from the department and buying new equipment and then reselling it. Oh, so it was it was, you know, a multi-million dollar sort of enterprise in that way. You know, the the thing about this story that I do like, though, is if it truly did start with a news investigation that like went over the sheriff's department and then ultimately to the FBI, it restores my faith in the media a little bit. So (laughs) So, uh, we'll believe it, whether it's true or not. Right. But, but, but Alan, you might remember in the 80s, they were at, at the city of Detroit, they had people cashing uh, big refund checks from the city. At, at, uh, the bank uh, put up red flags because you don't get big refund uh, checks from, from the uh, city taxes. And they, uh, city uh, appointed the uh, director of income tax to uh, investigate. Come to find out, he was the one doing it. Uh, 
There you go. So, wow. so, so once in a while, you, 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 you gotta have audits or whatever, because right. the folks do have these schemes, and they, and they, and they, and they take. And if they you don't catch them, they, they do it for years. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne County has a long history of corruption uh, over at the, I think the the road commission, the airport yeah. authority. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. They got rid of the road commission because yeah. of the because of the uh, that people was taking right money. Yeah. Yep. So, so Tiffany, here's a question for you: Would you leave Detroit if you were offered a million bucks per child to move to the rural areas like KPAC? Oh well, that's a really tough question. <laughs> A million dollars? But yeah, that's not a million dollars. Yes, I would. But I love Detroit. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, I'm a little bit spoiled because I, I I still have we have family property in Cape Ex, so I get to enjoy the best of both worlds now anyway. Well, well but, the reason uh, I asked the question is because in Japan, uh, uh, the government is offering families up to a million yen, which actually is only $7,500 per child. Money to leave the Tokyo Yokohama area which of course is the largest metropolitan area in the world 30 million people are uh comprising one out of every four people living in Japan uh it's a novel idea because one of the things that they're trying to do is bring younger people into the rural areas where the age of uh, the communities there is quite high and this will then diversify things not only on age but hoping that perhaps the aging population will also be better cared for, or at least uh, people will check in on them. Nancy. Well, not, I, uh, not, uh, go ahead. I was just going to try to answer your question in a different oh, way. Yeah. Um, okay. Because yeah, similar to this story, um, yesterday I read a story about a farmer in, in Japan who was giving his farm away that he had built up um, over many, many, many years, and his children did not want it. And so he literally was giving it away to anybody who wanted it. And I found myself thinking, do I want to move to Northern Japan to run a, you know, a cattle farm? And so <laughs> it, that was a real thought that crossed my mind of reading this article. They what, wouldn't let yeah. you, they probably wouldn't let you, Tiffany, because they would this, not. Is, this is part of the reason that this is happening in Japan is because they are extremely anti-immigration. Um, they have never allowed, you know, reasonable immigration, you know, the way other countries have, um, you, you can come and visit, you can stay for a while, you can be a teacher, but you cannot become a citizen. And the, the, the reason for this is they're racist. I mean, you know, this is a place where you can buy toothpaste that with like a, you know, black, uh, uh minstrels. I've seen it. They yeah, still the sell it. Stuff. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah. if they allow, and, and, but then also, and that's, this is not just unique to Japan. I mean, you've probably heard about like the one euro houses that are available in, in Sicily, you know, and it's not, it's not the Terramina Sicily that you saw on the white Lotus. It's generally these inland um, towns in Sicily where, you know, and the problem is there's, there's no jobs, there are no jobs. And so perhaps in the era of remote work, um, you can, you know, you might find acres who will take a million dollars as long as they can go to a uh, small town with, um, you know. But if it's a million dollars, not seven thousand, and there's not enough money to get yeah. people to leave Tokyo to go out into the mountains or whatatever, right? They got to give. Know. They got to give. They got to give more money than that. They got. And, yeah, and, it's and, not and, a Wi-Fi. And they, 
And yeah. in Japan, they don't have uh, the average family don't have what one or two kids. Uh, yeah, they're very, yeah, their birth rate is very low because you know it's a crowded country. At least parts of it are crowded. The places where people where the jobs are, where people want to leave, you know, like Tokyo and Kyoto. But it's um, it's just you know you might get a few takers, but I think the incentives have to be a lot stronger than that. Um, Isn't it the reverse of what we did in Detroit by offering $500 houses to generate investment into the city? And we yeah. had many multimillionaires yeah. that came in and bought swaths of it. Yeah, right. right. Well, right. Like we've got better. We got bedrock developing down on, uh, on the eastern uh, on, on the east riverfront. But uh, I think that farmer Nancy should go ahead and torch the farm, blame it on Godzilla, collect the insurance. <laughs> Unless, of course, there's a clause in the policy, which I imagine there is in Japan, yeah. that nothing is covered if Godzilla comes in or the deductible <laughs> is too high. Well, Alan, I think we're at that time of the show. All right. Hold on a second. I've got to find our... Downtown Detroit, Robert Wells, Smart of the Week. <laughs> Everybody um, loves that. <laughs> he has now become our honorary uh, sixth <laughs> member here. So who's, who's got a schmuck for the week? I got I'll go. I'll oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Adolf. Okay. okay. Uh Richard Bernstein. <laughs> you listen. stole my schmuck. <laughs> yeah, he's a real schmuck. You know, I listen, I don't know the guy that was hired as a clerk, but if he was a lot but if he passed his fitness or whatever test to become a lawyer, served 14 years in jail, he didn't kill anybody, he didn't uh, rape anybody, he served his time. Now we got people saying that blind people don't need to be judges. That's how stupid is that? So Richard well, Bernstein is a smuck. He's a, he's an idiot, but I, he he could have handled it better. He could have talked to his colleague and said, you know, it's not a it's not a right look, you know. But he comes out and goes crazy. So yeah, I, that's I, that's I, my guy. What, I I'm really surprised because I know Richard. Uh, I I'm kind of shocked that he because I always have seen him as the most compassionate of judges, particularly, you know, him being blind. And he knows that, you know, he, he, he realizes probably if he was appointed, if there was an appointed position, he would not have gotten the job and the people, you know, he's, he's very smart. He's very able. Uh, my guess is that someone, some conservative people on the bench were concerned about it. And he, and he decided to step up and be the voice because he, it would look bad uh for the conservatives to go after maybe i'm wrong but i'm i'm surprised that he did that i i'm really cause how do people get how do people uh how do the print people go to prison they say well we need to teach them a lesson they need to right. uh well, rehabilitate all, yeah can i just say something because you guys are both assuming that everybody who's watching the show reads the detroit news and this is a story that has broken over like the last two days and it it started with a a piece by George Hunter um, on the front page of the Detroit News that said, uh, Justice, the newly sworn in Justice Kyra Harris Bolden had hired as a clerk this guy named Pete Martell. And Pete Martell is a felon. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a convicted felon um, who uh, did his time. He tried to stick up a, a like a convenience store. Um, he he fired at a cop. He didn't hit him, but he fired at a cop. He was convicted of an uh, assault with intent to do great bodily harm, and he was sent to prison. Um, he did his time. He got out of prison. He turned his life around, 
and became a lawyer and apparently a very good one and an advocate for um, for prison for prisoners and for improving prison conditions in um, in Michigan. And now you guys, uh, Tiffany, you're a lawyer. Don't lawyers have to pass this character review? Yeah. Right. I mean, because I remember when I wrote about that other guy, I can't remember his name, Martinez, I I think. Anyway, um, one of Todd Perkins' partners, um, he he was sweating that out, too, because he, too, had a criminal record that he had to get passed. So so the the Michigan Bar Association thinks this guy is fine. um, And he was working as a as a clerk and. And Richard Bernstein came out and just blew a gasket over this. And I mean, like, I agree with, with, uh, Alan, I've met him. He's a charming gentleman. He's very smart. Um, you know, he came up, he's very, he flatters me, you know, he's, 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 he's really a work. He knows how to work it, but, um, he just blew a gasket over this stuff. And he said that there are some crimes that are so heinous that a person should never be able to work for it as a Supreme, as a Michigan Supreme court clerk. And one of them is firing at a cop and it just goes, it, it goes contrary to everything I believe about, you know, just criminal justice and rehabilitation. Go ahead. And it should have been, it should have worked both ways because we have had cops that's still on the job that uh, murdered people exactly. and all kind of stuff. So he, well, that that argument don't hold up. So he is a smart. He might be a nice guy, but I mean, whoops. All right, uh, Adolf's, uh, Adolf's Can I just add fun. one thing and just sure. to say, yep. you know, from a legal Sorry, perspective, yeah. this has been a hotly discussed topic to say the least along the last couple of days. And and really, to me, putting the entire subject matter aside, one of the real sad things about this situation is sort of the politis, the even further politicized politicization of our court. Right. You know, and taking this, you know, sort of coming behind the curtain um, to air some disputes that I, I think normally would have been um, dealt right. with. Right. And, and we've also, you know, in, in this city itself, we've had some of the top criminal defense attorneys go to prison and come back and get their their license back to practice. So it's it's right. not it, it's, you know, and, and like I say, some of the very top criminal uh Attorneys have gone to prison for a year or two. Well, well just a year. In this case, I mean, what Martel did was he he dealt with it the way you would expect an honorable person to deal with it. He fell on his sword. He resigned immediately. Yeah. He didn't want to take any of the fo- you know he didn't want to grab the uh, uh, focus off of of this new justice uh, Bolden, and it made me think, Alan that there's more to this story, that there's the knives are out for Kyra Bolden, it sounds like. And I know there's there was some grumbling at the time she, um, Whitmer appointed her about her not being qualified because she's very young and she's never been a judge before, et cetera, et cetera. And I wonder if that's not what well, this she, is Well, it, it could be. But she also, she ran as a, you know, as a Democratic nominee, really, even though it's Yeah, I know. Not, and, not, she, and, and she and, lost and, narrowly. And to, Bernstein endorsed her. Uh, you know, they ran together, really. Uh, right. But, um, well, that's why, you know, you said he. But Nancy, we have had judges that uh, just got out of law school. Helene White, the Levins, and got her appointed to 36th District. She got appointed to Wayne County Circuit. She got appointed to the federal bench. Listen. I'm not if, doubting if that you. Was, listen, that is uh, the judges. I mean, the governor, and she wanted her. And I, I, I heard rumblings. Uh, in the community, I know uh, uh, several attorneys who said she, oh, she's no experience. She was a right. state rep for a minute. 
et cetera. All I can say is you grow into the job. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not doubting any. I'm just speculating on what might be behind this. What to me, what was a very out of character explosion by uh, Richard Bernstein. And he is also my schmuck of the week. So that's that. I have a different different schmuck of the week if we want. Yeah, Tiffany, go ahead. There's so many to choose from this week. I had a really hard time and and I actually solicited, you know, suggestions and some suggested Jim Harbaugh just because of, you know, our results last week in the game. But I'm going to pick um, George Santos uh, from the congressman um, from Long Island. Who, you know, he has really flown under the radar with all the chaos that's being caused with the speaker's election. But I think we really still need to be talking about this 34-year-old new Congress, congressperson elect um, who has been lying about his record for some time now uh, on the campaign trail about his parents being, his grandparents being Holocaust survivors, his mother um, losing her life because of 9-11. Um, I, I think at one point, and Alan, you may appreciate this, he didn't call himself Jewish, but Jew-ish. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 and now he's biracial, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm biracial. And, and you know, the, the interesting parts and in my point about the media earlier, I read this week that there was a local um, newspaper called, uh, the, I think it was the North Shore Leader, that broke this story back in September. And it was not picked up by any of the national media. And right. so the fact that this guy was able to get elected is sitting there in Congress, mind you, pretty much by himself through these speaker votes. It doesn't have a boss. (laughs) It's still rather remarkable to me, but it's something that, you know, it's another little problem that the GOP is going to have to deal with once they get, you know, the rest of their problems in some, some sort of order. And, and, and he may not actually be gay. Uh, (laughs) That's right. uh, He was married for some years to a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I mean, seeing him on TV, he's being shunned like uh, an Amish who was discovered to have cable. Uh, So, um, uh, uh, Alan, Uh, you're next. I I would say uh, Matt Gates. I mean, I actually love that he's going against McCarthy. One of Trump's uh, former aides said he's just mad at McCarthy. McCarthy didn't issue a press release saying he was okay with Matt Gates paying for prostitutes. Uh, and, and, and then my other person is John James. It just kind of galled me <laughs> to see John James yesterday nominating McCarthy and using all these shallow sound bites that he's so noteworthy of. He, he's, such a, he's such a chameleon. I mean, all the way through, you know, in the first time he ran, I love Trump. I love Trump. No, I love Trump more Empty than you. Suits. Yeah. Yes. And it's really, I, when I saw him yesterday, it just made me sick. Cause a he, noun, he, a verb, and a helicopter. And I'm that sure is- he'll, uh, he'll, thro- he'll throw in his hat for uh, the Senate race because his ambition what? is far beyond his, his talents. Well, they're going to put him out in front of uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, line, holding the lantern. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. so Alan, given the chivalry that you, of course, always exhibit, we will give one of your two uh, to Nancy, since she had uh, an overlap with Adolf's uh, Schmuck of the Week. Oh, if, sorry. If, if okay, okay whatever. <laughs> All right. Are you, so, are you keeping so, records? I didn't know. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's how I roll. Uh, so my Schmuck of the Week is uh, the late director Franco Zeffirelli. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, it is. It is now come to light that the two stars, the child stars 
from the 1968 stars. classic movie Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Leonard Whiting and Olivia Hussey are suing Paramount, they can't really sue Zeffirelli because he's dead, for $500 million claiming sexual harassment and sexual abuse and child abuse because he uh, had uh, told them to pose nude uh, in the movie despite giving them assurances that they would be nude at no time and that they would be wearing flesh-colored undergarments. For anybody who was in middle school, either in K-Pac or in Lapeer, and who was shown the movie uh, in uh, in grade school, they would have noticed that Olivia Hussey was in fact naked, as was uh, Whiting. Whiting's buttocks and Hussey's breasts were on clear display. Um, Is that the how- British pronunciation? Of- <laughs> no, the buttocks. British pronunciation. No, the, the British pronunciation would be arse. Okay. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, but the fact that Zeffirelli went ahead and lied to a couple of kids, uh, went ahead and brought them into his uh, trust and confidence, is, uh, is really, really an awful thing. A true Shonda. So, Zeffirelli, uh, wherever you may be pushing up daisies, you're my schmuck of the week. Right. Well, that concludes another show. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in the audience. Thank you, Tiffany Ellis. Thank you, Adolf Mongo. And of course, thank you, Nancy Derringer. And last word as always, Alan. Drive home safely. You have a great week, everybody. Take care. Bye.